Welcome to the sixth episode of the Skills Factory. Talks and ideas about skills from Europe and beyond. This is the podcast done by the European Training Foundation, European Union agency working on the topic of human capital development. Have you ever wondered what would happen if you could study in a different way? What would you expect from education after COVID-19 pandemic? And for the career you have chosen, what do you think employers and private businesses want from the recent graduates? Today, we're going to provide you with five concrete tips on how to be a perfect job candidate on the competitive labor market of today. And we will hear two different perspectives, the one of employers and private businesses, and the one of young generation. And let's start. Um, Marine Vova and today we're giving the voice to the young generation and the representative of the Chambers of Commerce from the Western Balkans. So let's start. Today we're speaking with young European ambassadors, Bojana Lalatovic from Montenegro. Welcome, Bojana. Nice to be with you here. Um, Alexander Karatosha from North Macedonia. Welcome, Alexander. It's a pleasure, thank you, for inviting me. And Alexander Lubomirovic from Serbia. Hi, Alexander. I thank you very much for the invitation. It's an honor to be a member of this podcast. And from the other side, we will have the representative from Western Balkan Six Chamber Investment Forum, Tatiana Shteriova-Dushkovska. Hello, Tatiana. Welcome. Hi, Maria. Thank you for the invitation. So to start our conversation, Bojana, Alex Karatosho, that we will call Alex for this podcast, and Alexander, could you please shortly present yourself? Bojana. Uh, yes, my name is Bojana Lalatovic. I come from Montenegro. Uh, I'm a third year PhD student at the Faculty of Law, University of Belgrade, and I'm also working in the Regional Youth Cooperation Office uh, in Montenegro. That's short about me. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Bojana. Alex. Uh, my name is Alexander Karatosho, as you already mentioned. Um, I'm, I come from Macedonia. I'm a student at the Faculty of Economics, and I'm one of the young European ambassadors, as, as uh, my colleagues. But I'm also the founder and president of a civic society organization called Youth Empowerment Association, and also the director of the Karatosho Foundation. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Alexander. So my name is Alexander Ljubomirovic. I'm from uh, Belgrade, Serbia. I'm also a um, young European ambassador of, of the Western Balkan region and Serbia. Um, I'm also president of the Organization of Serbian Students Abroad. And um, currently I'm doing my MA studies um, at the Freie University in Berlin. Um, the subject is, uh, is uh, East European Studies. Thanks a lot. So, Tatiana, could you please shortly describe what Western Balkan Six Chamber Investment Forum does? Yes, the Chamber Investment Forum is an association of the Six National Chambers of Commerce. It was established in 2017 and has its uh, seat in Trieste, but is uh, represented through the National Chambers of Commerce in the six uh, Western Balkans countries. That is Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, Montenegro, Serbia and North Macedonia. So the primary goal of uh, the activities 
is um, increasing the competitiveness of the region. And we are working hardly on uh, removing uh, obstacles uh, for increased regional economic cooperation. Amongst other uh, things that are in the primary focus of the association is the, the working on the possibilities for uh, improving the business and the investment climate in the region and the supporting the sustainable development of the region. And amongst other issues, uh, the need to secure qualified workforce for the businesses is also one of the primary issues or, or focus points in our activities. We will definitely come back to this uh, qualified workforce issue. And now I'd like to give the floor to our ambassadors that have questions that will mostly be about education and employment issues. So first question comes from Boyana from Montenegro. Boyana, the floor is yours. Thank you. So my first question is, uh, uh, do you believe that existing gaps in the formal education system in the Western Balkans uh, make extracurricular or non-formal education programs essential for individuals in order to be prepared and equipped with the necessary skills and competencies that the labor market requires? So generally, I would say that uh, the non-formal education has stepped in to cover some of the gaps that uh, the formal education systems in all of the Western Balkans countries have had. Uh, bearing in mind that the formal education system is a bit more rigid or not that uh, sustainable to changes or let's say not flexible enough. So um, I would say that it is not essential uh, to have extra curricular or non-formal education in your CV to get a job or get a better job. But it certainly helps because um, uh, especially in the last couple of years, Non-formal education has focused on some topics or on obtaining some of the skills that are not included, they are not part of the formal education systems uh, within our countries. And that especially relates, for example, to digitalization, to some new skills that are required because that is what uh, the new circumstances uh, pose as, uh, as a must, let's say. So um, there is definitely interplay between the two, but I would not exclude uh, one or the other. Um, maybe I, I can come back to what I mentioned in the beginning when I was explaining the organization. Uh, one of the, the primary issues uh, or the challenges that the region has is how to uh, support or um, expand the, the possibilities for uh, learning through work. And that in part uh, relates to all the forms of cooperative trainings and the establishment of, uh, in whichever way you call it, uh, a system that bases on the idea of dual education. That would mean integrating what you would need as skills, as preparation for the uh, working places within the educational system. So that would be some kind of a mix between uh, the formal systems of education that we have at the moment and what the non-formal uh, education systems provide at the, at the moment, but there's still a plenty to, to work on in that uh, regard. Uh, thanks a lot, Tatiana. Just a quick check. Boyana, Alex and Alexander, have you got the chance to have an apprenticeship or traineeship or any other opportunity to, to learn from a workplace in your careers? Boyana. Um, 
basically during my uh, studies, I um, had uh, opportunity to be a Erasmus Plus student in Rome. And uh, during this uh, program, I also managed to establish some connections that were relevant at the time for my uh, for writing my thesis and also uh, for my career later on. So basically, yes, uh, this is a really key and uh, essential part of everyone's studies to all during study establish the connections that can be meaningful and that can improve um, the skills and uh, sort of help an individual to uh, be better prepared for the labor market later on. Thanks a lot. Uh, Alex, have you got the chance to have an apprenticeship or trainership? Well, uh, because of my studies in every faculty in Macedonia, there is a mandatory uh, internships that you should take over the summer. So when you're free, you should take at least one month of uh, internships. But the thing is that uh, I took the internship, of course, but a lot of the students don't take the internship, but just uh, find a company that will just sign off that they took the internship and basically they just uh, spend their free time somewhere else. So basically I did that, but a lot of the young people are in a way uh, going through the holes in the system and just uh, using this kind of uh, companies to say that they have they have done the internships instead of really going and getting that experience because I really believe it is uh, very important to gain get this uh, this real experience this practical knowledge that that uh, it is very useful for the future employment so there is an issue of motivating the students to get this experience actually more than the employers not offering it um, Alexander have you get the chance to have apprenticeship or tra traineeship um, yes, yes, I had the opportunity um, uh, on both sides, like I did a traineeship uh, during my studies in, in Germany, but I also did um, summer internships in, in Belgrade, Serbia. And from my uh, personal experience, so um, in the sphere of, of, po of politics and diplomacy, uh, there are a lot of uh, students who uh, do want to, to um, do traineeships or uh, internships during the summer or during the whole year. Uh, but the problem is there's uh, only a few institutions that uh, do offer um, such traineeships and those are usually um, either like institutions from the European Union or the United Nations or foreign embassies. So um, I think that there, from my personal experience, there is huge interest from students in Serbia. Uh, but the problem is the offer is quite, quite small and all the good traineeships and internship opportunities are based in the capital, Belgrade. Thanks a lot for sharing your experiences. Tatiana, do you want to comment on those very different stories, actually, that we just heard? Uh, yes, I, I'm glad to hear that the young ambassadors have had opportunities because from what I heard, they're really prospective young persons. And they do look young, but uh, what I would uh, reflect on is that uh, a young person should use any opportunity it has, even if it's, it is not in a topic or in an industry that is most tightly connected to what you do at the moment, because every, every experience you get is uh, simply invaluable. So tip number one of this episode is get any chance of having uh, an experience to work and get knowledge on the working place. Excellent. We go to the next question that comes from Alex from North Macedonia. Alex. Yes, I would like to ask, uh, what is your opinion on the massive graduation rates that are happening all around the world, uh, even in our countries? 
uh, while also taking in consideration that most of them aren't needed for the business sector. So we have a lot of uh, economists uh, and lawyers uh, graduating and the market doesn't need that. And uh, will the value of the diploma deteriorate over time if this continues uh, further? Um, it depends because yes, especially in our countries, in all of the Western Balkans region, we have seen a massive increase of the number of graduates in the last couple of years. And that is, in fact, is not in correspondence in what the labor market needs, on the other hand, because there are not enough capacity to absorb all, all these graduates. So uh, what uh, we need to do, all, or that is uh, the relevant stakeholders in the systems should do, is uh, reassess what are the positions that we need. Because um, to be honest, in order to be a professional, not everybody needs to have university diploma on the one hand. Um, you can very well um, improve your skills and be good at what you do uh, in uh, specializing directly in, in some sectors. And it uh, should not uh, strictly be related to university or post-university education. But uh, on the other hand, we should also bear in mind that um, there is a need to promote a specific uh, specialization in different skills. I would uh, call upon the statistics that uh, the region lacks uh, in uh, regard of the number of uh, STEM graduates to some of the comparing European or the leading um, uh, world markets. So it is not an issue uh, whether it would uh, lose uh, the value, the diploma or any other certificate as such, but I would rather uh, call upon the need to uh, make uh, the most of uh, the education system so that once a uh, student uh, go, goes out of that education process, he's really prepared and equipped uh, to to bear, let's say, the qualities that uh, the diploma uh, confirms that he has. And uh, in the region, we, we've had some open issues with that. Okay, now a question, a very provocative one to our ambassadors. Have you considered going to vocational education and training and not the higher education? And if you haven't, why, Boyana? Well, let's say that uh, I didn't thought that uh, I'm kind of uh, talented for some certain specific vocational education training. And that's why I kind of decided to choose this academic path, like to specialize in law. But uh, I would also like to comment on uh, the fact that in our societies, uh, actually this, those are the better paid jobs. Because uh, finishing university sometimes uh, in our uh, country, and if you want to, for instance, um, work in the administration, uh, you are getting paid uh, much lower than, than it is like when you are kind of having your own business and, um, I don't know, repairing cars. And so uh, it is uh, a bit kind of there, there is this balance because uh, on the other hand, you are investing a lot in your ed education. And on the other hand, once you are at the labor market, you're not able to learn, to earn that much like to, to what you believe you deserve after such a kind of long process of education. Bojana, is there an issue that vocational education training is a bit less 
prestigious in your country? Yeah, probably because uh, kind of um, we are kind of we are the country that developed from the communism, and then during the communism, like just a low percentage of uh, our citizens were able to attend university, and basically we are now fulfilling the wishes of our parents. I would say not all, but many, and uh, it's it is a sort of prestigious still, and yeah, th that's an important. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Thanks a lot, Bayana, Alex. Have you ever considered going to vocational school instead of higher education institution? Uh, well, uh, actually not. I, I already had my views since I was a child. Maybe my parents told me that I should, I, that's the right path to go to high school, then university, and then get a diploma. So maybe we're in a way, uh, in a way told what to do as children and maybe the, our parents and the community made us believe that that's the right way. But I completely agree with Boyana that the reputation of these vocational schools and uh, just having a high school diploma is really seen negative on the Balkans. And I, I've seen now that the German um, chambers also are working on uh, changing that. They're introducing this kind of dual uh, trainership in high schools. And they're in a way preparing the children to have more skills when they exit the high school instead of just having this kind of basic knowledge that maybe is useful to go for a quiz or something, but it's not really useful to work in a, in a, in a specialized, specialized company. Very, very interesting. Thanks a lot. And, um, uh, you know, when you think about vocational education and training, maybe you, the first thing that you imagine, the first profession is a plumber or, or someone from agriculture, but also a software engineer could be a vocational education training and someone who writes the codes. So it's, it's, it's about, you know, the angle you turn it. Alexander, what do you think about vocational education training? Um, so I think you can guess my answer. It will be the same one as uh, the one from Boyan and, and Alex. Um, so I, in my personal opinion, there is uh, no uh, huge difference between Serbia, Montenegro or, or North, North Macedonia in this regard. Um, and I think that uh, this, this youth, so this generation of youth is, like Boyana says, uh, we're still like experiencing the chains of, of uh, the post-communist uh, era. And um, in, in the era of the communism, um, it was really important to gain um, university education. And um, our parents and uh, our family still believe this is the right uh, path uh, that we should take. So we don't even take into consideration not going to, to universities. And uh, like Alex uh, really uh, well put it, um, for example, I studied in, in, in Germany and uh, Germ in Germany dual um, traineeships are um, a thing that has been done for, for decades. And I think this could be a really good path for, for uh, countries of the Western Balkans or, or the Balkans as such because uh, they motivate uh, young people who don't want to go to universities to have careers, to have better paid jobs. So I think this is a really way, a good way to go to motivate others who do not get a place uh, at uh, university level. So this makes a much better society as a whole. Thanks a lot, Alexander. Tatiana, anything to comment? Because I think there are two strong elements. One is parents' voice, and I think there is anything we can do about it. But there is another element of reputation of vocational education, and maybe there, changing that reputation will help also to change 
parents' voice. What do you think, Tatiana? Yes, yes, definitely. I'm not sure about the other countries, but I can speak of, speak of my home country, North Macedonia. Uh, the relevant authorities in the last couple of years have really paid much attention to uh, spreading the message that uh, it is equally important to get involved in VET. Uh, there are many promotional campaigns uh, promoting the possibilities it offers. The tip number two would be parents' voice is important, but consider all potential educational steps, including vocational education, because vocational education can be a very interesting point, especially for the employment opportunities after the study. And now we go with a question from um, Alexander from Serbia. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so um, are soft and hard skills going to become a crucial uh, part of uh, traditional learning? and the education system as such uh, because of their important and decisive role which they are playing during job search. Um, how can these skills uh, be implemented in uh, the traditional education system in today's world? Um, I would start with a quote. They say that uh, knowledge without practice is useless, but practice without knowledge is dangerous. So if we transpose uh, that saying on the issue of formal education and uh, soft skills, I would say that um, it would be useless if you are the biggest professional or simply into a, a matter if uh, you do not possess a certain level of soft skills. But on the other hand, it is not uh, crucial if you do not have uh, appropriate knowledge for, for the position. So it is a challenge that the educational systems have to bear with. I agree that uh, it is necessary to work on uh, supplementing some of the, the soft skills and improving the, the issues of communication, critical thinking, po positive attitude, or uh, simply promoting teamwork. Um, informally, uh, within the educational systems, uh, it, there have been uh, attempts to to include them, but um, I don't believe uh, that it was uh, formally part of the education system, but more an attempt from individual teachers or professors trying to, to uh, cope with uh, that part of the education process uh, along with all other things that are prescribed in the curricula. So uh, yes, uh, the education systems uh, the formal education systems are definitely ripe for innovations and for including uh, all these uh, issues within the, the process itself. Question to ambassadors now. What do you think about soft skills and do you think you get to learn them in formal education system? Bayana. For instance, our formal education system, I don't believe that it devotes uh, enough attention to the soft development of soft, soft skills. But on the other hand, we have many non-formal education system activities that we can enroll. And uh, to kind of, uh, this is the opportunity for us to develop our soft skills there. Thanks a lot, Bayana. Um, Alex, have you learned soft skills while you were studying or it was something you did with your extracurriculum? 
Yes, actually, the, yeah, I'm very grateful to the European Union because it created the Erasmus Plus program and I used a lot of opportunities that uh, the program uh, gave me. So basically, since I was 15 years old, got involved in this kind of extracurricular activities. And I believe that the soft skills are really, really important. Uh, I believe they're, they're something that the future generations will have to learn and will have to know because with the rapid mechanization and the rise of uh, artificial intelligence and this kind of robots, a lot of these kind of mechanical jobs will in a way disappear and we will need more kind of this interpersonal skills as Boyana mentioned, but also this kind of soft skills that we will need to uh, know how because the machines wouldn't uh, be able to go to compete with us in that field. Thanks a lot. So tip number three, soft skills are getting more and more important and we have to use any opportunity, including extra scholar activities to gain those skills and to develop them. Tatiana, anything to comment about? No, I would agree with your uh, tip, let's say. And I would uh, encourage uh, all youngsters that uh, would be listening to this to keep on working on their skills and on developing their potentials. Thanks a lot. Alec, Alexander, yes. I, I would just like to, to add that um, Alex um, spoke about uh, people, uh, young people getting more and more um, educated, more and more people who finish um, uh, tertiary uh, education, more and more people getting diplomas. And in this world where, where so many people um, have finished uh, universities and um, in this world where those uh, people are not all needed in, in the business sectors or throughout all the sectors, soft skills are the thing that, that puts you on the top that um, makes you some kind of special and it really helps you to, to uh, be um, like, let's say, um, different from, from the others. Thanks a lot. Uh, so we go to the next uh, round of questions and the next one comes from Boyana from Montenegro. Boyana. So my next question is um, how education can be designed in such a way that promotes development of equity and empathy in multicultural environment? And uh, how can the education system promote also reconciliation uh, in such an environment? Uh, what would be the challenges or obstacles for implementation of such a policy or practice and how uh, can they be overcome? Uh, when it, we talk about reconciliation and promoting some values, especially in multicultural environments, I would say that the crucial issue is uh, getting to know each other. And uh, the best way to do that is uh, by supporting practices of uh, learning about each other's uh, cultures, systems of values, traditions, ideals. So uh, that is the first and the crucial step in order to um, overcome any possible challenges and possible ignorances, which uh, in turn, especially in our regions, tend to, to be even dangerous. So uh, what a good education system should do uh, would be to tend to integrate different groups, getting them together, starting to work together as closely as possible in order to... Uh, just enable sh a sh sharing environment where uh, we can reconcile any possible differences. So we can say that one important point in education, in the formal education system, is think about empathy and thinking about differences and multicultural environments, right, Boyana? 
Uh, yes, basically, uh, the, our education system actually neglects these topics. And so by neglecting them, it's not solving them. It's uh, rather contributing to um, kind of um, deepening these divisions that exist along uh, ethnic or national lines. Thanks a lot. I would say it's another tip. It's a tip number four. Beware of cultural differences and beware of different mindsets. Thanks a lot. Next question will come from Alex from North Macedonia. Uh, I would like to shift the, the attention to the current situation because I believe we can all agree that the COVID pandemic uh, crucially changed many parts of our lives and uh, surely the educational process is one of them. Um, do you believe that it changed the whole concept of education? Because we can see the digitalization, we can see this kind of adaptation, the urgent adaptation that the process, that the educational system went through. And uh, would the children maybe and young people uh, be unaware what a physical classroom really means in 10, 20 years from now? Thank you. Uh, it's a really current issue and um the pandemic and everything that has been going on in the last uh, more than 15, 16 months, it uh, definitely uh, left a mark on the education system. So how we perceive education and how it is implemented on a daily basis. I think the effects of uh, everything that uh, has been happening in the last couple of months uh, will uh, follow in the years to come. But um, me personally, I wouldn't bet or I wouldn't propose um, um, completely abolishing the, the concept of education with a physical classroom. But, um, I believe that you will all agree that a big part of our personal experiences of our characters has been the education process itself. And it is not simply uh, the time and the curricula that was learned within the education process, but the process, the pedagogical system, the interlinking, the um, building up socialization, developing emotional intelligence, cooperating and linking with uh, peers, with uh, people on the same level. Uh, nothing of that uh, can be done or can be perceived uh, as such. Uh, if you don't have the persons interacting and being there in the, the same room, cooperating directly. Definitely, digitalization brings many positive aspects, but me personally, I'm not that old, but I consider still myself a traditionalist. I wouldn't uh, exclude uh, physical uh, classrooms in the education system. Definitely, if we have to formulate fifth tip, is that digitalization is important. And maybe the mixed classroom will be the future of education, but we need to be flexible in order to adapt to either physical environment or digital. And I think also Alexander has a question about digitalization, so I will pass the floor to him. Um, I would like to ask you if the online classes um, that we're experiencing on, on all levels, elementary school, high school, university level, are they going to influence the quality of education as, as a such Definitely, as I mentioned, digitalization offers possibilities that were almost unimaginable uh, even a couple of years ago. Uh, I know that many of the world's leading university uh, universities have had uh, online classes long before the, the pandemic and the necessity for all, all the other actors in the system 
to, to turn to digital education. So uh, definitely we should make the most of the, the possibilities, the opportunities it offers. Uh, for example, um, when we talk about university education, uh, online tools and digital tools enable you to uh, get uh, access to uh, research papers or books or anything that is current at the moment. So it is a big benefit that uh, was uh, simply unimaginable inima- uh, a few years ago. And all these aspects should be put to practice and uh, you make the most of it in the, in the education system. Short, short follow-up question. Um, we talked about how, how online classes and digitalization can um, influence quality of the education for the better. But are there maybe also some kind of negative aspects? So can, can this online classes also negatively um, influence um, the education of, of, of the youth? Um, the shortest answer to that would be uh, like any other digital tool. So bottom line, it comes back to the one using it. So um, even YouTube, you can use it. And I don't, I know kids uh, aged uh, four or five years that uh, are all day on YouTube watching videos about dinosaurs. And I've seen little kids uh, knowing every type of dinosaur there is. And uh, that is the positive way on how you can use it to, uh, to make extra benefits. But uh, in the Bottom line, it is uh, up to, to the one using it, whether he would uh, use all the benefits he, he can provide or simply disregard anything that uh, digitalization has to offer. Yeah, so as, as usual in life, there are positive and negative sides. So in order to be competitive uh, in the labor market and in order to make the transition from school to work, as easy as possible, we have identified today in this conversation five tips. Tip number one, get any opportunity to learn on a workplace. It can be traineeship, it can be apprenticeship, but look for it and go for it. Tip number two, not everyone maybe should go to the higher education degree. We know that the parent's voice is important. We know that it's, it's a big thing. But consider alternative pathways, maybe vocational education and training that will give you more opportunities for employment afterwards. Tip number three, soft skills. They're getting more and more important and you have to learn them everywhere in formal education system or using extracurricular activities. Tip number four, beware of cultural differences and different mindsets. They are important. And for you to be successful in the labor market of the future, you have to be alarmed and beware. Tip number five, digitalization. It brings a lot of opportunities and we already see them, but be ready for the mixed education and for the mixed workplace, both physical and online. And at this point, I would like to thank our guests for this podcast episode, Bojana Lalatovic, young European ambassador from Montenegro. Thank you, Bojana. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It was a true pleasure to talk about these relevant Thanks things. for coming. Thanks for coming. Alexander Karatosha, young European ambassador from North Macedonia. Thanks a lot, Alex. Thank you, Maria. It was a fruitful discussion. Alexander Ljubomirovic, young European ambassador from Serbia. Thanks a lot, Alexander. 
Thank you very much for the invitation. It was a really enlightening podcast. And thanks a million to Tatiana Steryova-Dushkovska, Secretary General from Western Balkans, Sixth Chamber Investment Forum. Thanks a lot for your insights, Tatiana. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thanks a lot. And, and there's much more to come. Goodbye.